It doesn't matter who you're getting information from, you can still learn something from them. Welcome back to the Clinical Athlete Podcast. If you're not familiar with Clinical Athlete, we're a network of healthcare providers, students, and coaches who specialize in the management of athletes. We have two missions. The first mission is to connect athletes with professionals who they can trust. And our second mission is to create a community and foster the education of those professionals and future professionals in the realm of athlete health and performance. This podcast is one way that we fulfill those missions. And if you're one of our six listeners who enjoy the show, do us a favor and give it a rating on your favorite podcast platform so that we can get this information out to as many people as possible. Trust me, it's just a click of a button. In fact, you would press pause right now, scroll down to the app, click the little whatever rating they do, and then maybe even uh, say a little something nice about clinical athlete, and then boom, duty fulfilled. To learn more about Clinical Athlete, head on over to the website, clinicalathlete.com, and join the free Kalu Community Facebook group, where Clinical Athlete and the Level Up Initiative have combined to form an amazing group with several different types of learning opportunities. You can join the Kalu Community Facebook group by clicking the link in the show notes. And a big announcement, we have officially opened registration to the 2021 Virtual Kalu Summit. It's happening September 10th through the 12th. Tickets are going fast. That link is in the show notes as well. My name is Quinn Hennick. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in Orange County, California at Clinical Athlete Newport. We've got another student edition coming at you with our Clinical Athlete Student Ambassadors leading the way. So this is actually the last time you're going to hear from me. Physical therapy students Chris Hewen and Megan Broussard, along with chiropractic student Derek Bark, bring on other students from within the Calu and Clinical Athlete communities onto the show to discuss their journey. And on this episode, our Clinical Athlete Student Ambassadors brought on Logan Benjamin, who is a chiropractic student and a very active member of the Clinical Athlete and Calu communities. Logan shares what his journey has been like halfway through school now and how he's navigated the learning process, even when faced with information that he might disagree with uh, within that process. And he and Derek actually go to the same school. So they talked about how valuable it's been to have peers who are able to push each other. Their bromance is so cute. So if you're a student wanting to hear how other students are navigating their experience, this is the show for you. We hope you enjoy. What up? Everyone's here. So today, big day, we got Logan Benjamin, Derek Bark, classic, Megan Broussard, classic. So I thought it would be a great idea because Logan and Derek both go to the same school to talk about, you know, the value of having someone in Cairo school, PT school, that you can have some discussions with, you know, you don't have to feel like you're on an island. And so, you know, diving into a little bit about Logan and then, you know, having a back and forth between you, Derek and Logan, um, you know, to hear y'all's experience going through school together, I think would be super valuable because y'all are just, I think, very lucky the position y'all are in and just seeing how much y'all do together 
from, you know, just the outside resources through clinical athlete, through journal club, through the Mike Raymond. It's just impressive to see two guys in the same school, in the same class doing that. And I think that's just very rare. So before we get into that, Logan, could you give us brief background, um, kind of where you currently are, where you went to undergrad, maybe a little bit about your golden retriever, yeah. Okay. So, hello everyone. My name's Logan. I am originally from Montana, so <clears throat> I grew up there. Went to school there, uh, Montana State University. I uh, did a major in exercise science and a minor in business. Um, so I just figured I kind of had an idea that I wanted to, you know, start my own business one day. So that's kind of where that came from. But um, the I thought the schooling prepared me really well in undergrad. There was a lot of um, classes that I knew that I would be taking in a chiropractic school that um, that I kind of looked for in undergrad. But the reason that I kind of went to chiropractic school and I had that thought in mind was because one of the students, one of my tutors in undergrad, uh, was planning to go to Logan University as well. There was a chiropractor that I saw that had also gone to Logan University. So it just kind of pushed me in that direction. Um, and around junior year is when I really decided to kind of dig in and start focusing more and trying to make it to uh, make it to Cairo school. So, um, so far, Cairo school has been, been an experience. That's for sure. I kind of went into it knowing that there was a lot of kind of old school mindsets in the chiropractic profession that I was going to be, have to kind of just um, learn from, but get through and understand that it's not necessarily 100% accurate, maybe. Um, so going into that, I think I was already prepared. And I think some people go into chiropractic school thinking that, you know, it's the end all be all and that everything they learn there will be, you know, 100% true and accurate. And then they hit a spot at some point during school that kind of makes them realize that, you know, what they've been learning maybe isn't as accurate as they thought it was. So I think I was lucky just coming into school with have, having already heard from, you know, Michael Ray, listening to some different podcasts like Nap Physio and stuff. I had a PT actually that kind of changed my perspective um, going into school. So a few months before I went to chiropractic school, I was having some pretty bad wrist pain and that kind of bothered me because I knew I'd have to be doing uh, manipulations and stuff. So I'd been dealing with this for like the past five years, but hadn't really gotten to the point where I was worried about it. Uh, but since I was like, well, now I'm going to have to be actually using my hands more. So I got to get this figured out. So I went to some chiropractors, didn't really help. And I ended up in a, uh, in a gym that a PT worked out of. He owned the gym, um, prime physio out of Bozeman. He's a really awesome guy, Billy McClanahan. Um, Anyways, he kind of, it, well, he's, we sat down right away and he was like, we started talking about some of the myths around MSK um, because I've interned at a chiropractor's office. And so I was coming in with some of these kind of traditional um, views on chiropractic. And so, I mean, he was pretty upfront. I don't, I don't remember how we got into this topic, but he's like, dude, posture doesn't matter as much as you think it does. It's like, that's kind of, that's just a, a myth that there's this one correct posture and the, the office that I would just come from was all about correcting posture. So 
it was it was a 180 turn right there and he he told me to look up uh michael ray you know greg lehman some of those guys and so from then on i was like man this has really changed my perspective on things so i still wanted to go to chiropractic school but i definitely had a different view coming into school than i would say most chiropractic or most chiropractic students do um so i thought i was lucky to have that and i think it just set me up really well to look for more evidence-based resources when i got into school so immediately upon entering school i basically tried to find a group of students that were more evidence-based so there was a, a group called forward thinking chiropractic alliance that I immediately, like the first weekend of school, they have, they're having their like annual uh, meeting at our school. So I, I jumped in that, paid like 200 bucks just to join, but it was worth it looking back because I met a guy named TJ Williamson, who's become a really big mentor of mine. And I didn't even, it was funny because I didn't even meet him, but I heard from another student that if you talk to this kid, TJ, He's going to like blow your mind about all this, you know, all these, all the chiropractic stuff that we learn. So I was like, okay, that sounds like somebody I need to talk to because I was already hearing a lot of chiropractic narratives, you know, focusing really heavily on biomechanics. So I was like, I need to find somebody else to talk to. So reached out to TJ and he has been just an awesome resource uh, for both Derek and I to, uh, to learn from. So, I mean, that's kind of my experience up to this point. There's a lot that's happened during school that we can talk about. Um, but When you were talking to that PT initially and he was like, you know, maybe dispelling some of the things you had thought initially, was it a pretty quick, like 180, you said? Or was it, did it take time? Was there a lot of, you know, initial pushback or dissonance? There was definitely dissonance, but it didn't take me too long. He he told me to look up a few pages on Instagram and stuff. And so for maybe a, a couple of weeks, I was just really heavy, like scrolling through, trying to learn as much as I could, listening to a bunch of different people. Um, and I mean, I guess it was more, it was probably slower in actuality than I think when I'm just looking back on looking back on it because I did kind of have some disagreements with him and I remember having some conversations that you know I wouldn't have right now because I've already kind of accepted some of that stuff so I guess it may have been a little slower but some of the stuff was definitely just a quick turnaround and then certain disagreements kind of about manual therapy and manipulation maybe took a little little longer to come around because I've I've been going to a chiropractor since I was probably five or six, maybe. I had some neck problems when I was really young, and so my parents took me um, took me there. So I, that's been a, a narrative in my own head um, for a long time. So it took a little while to figure out that they weren't really moving bones around and that whole shtick. When you went to Cairo that young, are your parents? Do they have a close relationship with a Cairo or is it just like, we'll try this out or were they pretty invested in the Cairo philosophy? I wouldn't say they're invested in the Cairo philosophy, but it was more like an easy way to get some pain reduction. 
So they weren't taking us like every month or every week or anything. Like we really couldn't even afford that. We were pretty low income. Um, so it was more just like if your neck's hurting, your back's hurting, just go in and go for a few visits. Um, I do remember now that my dad got into a really long-term care plan and that kind of set him off from one specific chiropractor. So I think they kind of had had something against that aspect of chiropractic, which is a really old school mindset where you have to sign up for long-term care plans. But it was more just kind of some symptom reduction. And I mean, for me, it always worked out fine. Like, granted, I was young. And so, you know, my tissues were able to to respond pretty quickly to any injury. I was able to heal probably on my own um, pretty quickly. And so all the times I went into the chiropractor felt like it was a good turnaround on any pain that I had. But looking back, you know, regression in the mean, natural history, all that probably had quite a bit to do with it. But um, I had a good experience up to then with chiropractors. So that's kind of why I was open to being a chiropractor. Yeah, I asked just didn't know if there's chiros in your family or if they had such a close relationship. And then if that had evolved since you had started school and maybe had, you know, different beliefs now. And then if it was hard to have that conversation with your parents, but it doesn't seem like that's the case. Yeah. The, the relationship that we have is, is a little weird now because I, I understand the whole like evidence side of chiropractic and they're still in more of a biomedical um, belief system. And it's hard for me to, to like challenge that because I mean, I've, I've tried like here and there kind of asking them talking to them about certain things. Um, but it is hard to really question someone's beliefs when they've had those beliefs for, you know, 45, 50 years, whatever. So that's that's one thing I still struggle with. I think it's something that's just hard is to bring up, kind of challenge someone's beliefs. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'll maybe get around to him sometime. How do you think you would challenge? Maybe that's not the word, but patients' beliefs, because I'm sure it's a very similar sense of they could have similar thoughts about Cairo for 30, 40, 50 years, and expect you to perform or or do something that you may not do. Yeah. I think it is different when you're talking to patients versus talking to somebody who's not coming to you for care, because when you're, when they're coming to you for care, it's like they're already invested in what you want to do essentially. Like they've put that effort in to come into your office. And so they're kind of succeeding to whatever you want to do for care in a sense. On a hundred percent, they still come in with expectations about what you're going to do with the treatment but when you're just talking to someone kind of like on the sidewalk or you know your parents kind of just you know randomly if they're asking you about something it's hard to jump into a a deep conversation and have them actually change something within their beliefs because they're they may not be in pain at the moment and may not be willing to try out more you know active approaches to their pain so it's more just like theoretical discussion rather than being in the office you can have someone um, go straight to an active approach or something and see that modification in pain whereas if you're just talking to someone it's harder to explain the differences between the two approaches it's like a show versus a tell kind of thing 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess going into the beginning of Logan, you and Derek, was it love at first sight? Was it, uh, because Derek, I think I've talked to you about this, but I think you said you're initially attracted to Logan because he was a lifter, I think, or just y'all had similar, you know, back interests or backgrounds. But I'm curious as to like, I think Derek, you were in a much different spot going into Cairo school than Logan was. So I'm curious how that initially began and then evolved and has turned into like a full-fledged bromance at this point. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember if it was the lifting or not. Um, I'm just kind of naturally like a competitor and get competitive even with school. And um, I remember that because I'm stronger than him. Yeah, that, that is fair. But um, I just remember that Logan and I were in the same um, anatomy lab group. And, um, you know, just through interaction with lab and some of the, um, the class time, I just noticed that, I mean, like the level of intelligence and how engaged he was, like was something that I wanted to be close to because again, like I just wanted someone to push me and like make me better and work harder. And, um, you know, once we got to know each other a little bit more, knowing his background and some of the things that he just learned in school, you know, a lot of that stuff was kind of fresh on his mind. And I felt like, you know, again, that was what I needed to kind of keep me on task and work even harder. Um, and we kind of went back and forth with, you know, like test grades. It was always like, you can get the higher test grade and, you know, giving each other crap, like when you would beat them. So it was kind of a game, but we also both like really wanted to do well and succeed. Um, the initial difference between him and I, at least the biggest difference was again, kind of what he mentioned was he came in with, more of the um, evidence-based background and started questioning things about chiropractic right away. Um, and I came in more of the mindset of like, um, we have groups called Motion Palpation Institute. Um, I had a couple um, former mentors from my undergrad who were also at Logan, who I kind of gravitated towards and really looked up to um, I wasn't really familiar with any of the research. So for me, it was everything that they said kind of went. Um, so when Logan introduced me to people like TJ and some of the groups that he was in, um, podcasts such as Clinical Athlete and Level Up, that was really my first introduction to anything like that. Um, so it was a really big eye opener for me. And again, because I respected who he was and still is and his work ethic, um, I felt like I was more open to looking into those things as opposed to some of the other interactions I had um, with some of our classmates. Do you think it going through, I mean, y'all are what, almost finished with your second year. Is that right? Yeah, same. Does it, because I have a few people in my class where we have very similar thoughts about things, but I don't think to the extent that y'all push each other um do you think it's harder in a sense like do you become more nihilistic because y'all are both like well this a lot of what we're being taught is bullshit or is it helpful because you can you know have those conversations while you're in class or outside of class and like reflect on you know what was taught or do the outside things that y'all do through 
um, you know, the journal club, clinical athlete, everything else. I mean, personally for me, I think, I mean, I get caught up at times when certain teachers say certain things or I hear certain things. And like you said, I just kind of look at it and I'm like, nah, this is total BS. Like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I don't know why I'm listening to it, but I do think that Logan and I at least try and keep ourselves grounded and like at least discuss things and try and not, you know, completely throw things to the side or look at um, what we read or how we want to approach the profession as absolutes. Um, I mean, it, it does get difficult because we kind of silo ourselves into, you know, like the clinical athlete forum. We did the level up uh, mentorship, um, the podcast that we listen to, um, definitely um, kind of fit our biases. So it's easier to gravitate towards those things and push the things that you may not agree with to the side. Um, and it's really hard to open yourself and kind of put extra energy towards things that you really don't care about, quote unquote. Um, so like for me, I think that's been a struggle um, I, I can't speak for Logan hundred um, percent, but I do feel like um, at least for me, he's helped kind of keep me grounded and not completely like look at things and say, Oh no, that's, that's garbage. Like, I don't even know why I'm listening to this and instead trying to at least embrace something and maybe be able to look at it in a way that I can explain it to somebody as to why maybe this isn't the best approach or the best way to look at things. Yeah, I felt like being in school, it's hard, especially with certain classes, to try to absorb the knowledge because some of our technique classes, you have to know them for boards. So it's like I get that part of it. But they're teaching us like 15 different ways to to move a vertebra or to rotate a cervical vertebrae or something one way. It's just like ridiculous. But I still think that some of the, like, it doesn't matter who you're getting information from, you can still learn something from them. And that's something I've tried to keep in mind going through all my classes. And I've heard this from lots of different, you know, books and, you know, respected people that are already really high up. They say, just take something from everyone you meet um, because they're an expert in well, they're not an expert in everything, but it's like they know more about something than you do. So I've tried to stay humble and in, in, in the classes and realize that there's still valuable information. It's just I have to kind of sort through and figure out what that information is, which is frustrating because there's obviously so much other information that I trust and that I don't have to kind of filter through as much and that I'd rather focus on. But I think it's just kind of the nature of school. There's certain things you're not going to agree with, but you still have to obviously learn them for exams and stuff and just try to absorb what you can. So Derek and I have tried to kind of keep each other honest in that sense and still focus on some of these classes that we're going through, but also spend enough time doing the extracurricular stuff like going through the resource guides that you guys have been posting, um, going to journal clubs, spending time talking to, you know, peers and other students and kind of challenging each other's beliefs. 
So it just, just kind of has to be a balance. Yeah. Well, I'm jelly. I mean, as I said, I have very close friends in my cohort, but none of them, I feel like really truly push me in the sense that like we have similar interests and we kind of like are going through it together. I think the friends I'm close with, we have similar principles and ways we look at like critical thinking, but they're all very different, like where they want to go with PT. And I think it makes it hard for me because I can't like go down the same road with someone in, in school. Whereas I feel like y'all are pretty much brothers from another mother at this point, just like rocking out. And I'm curious, Megan, if you have that in um, AUT Southwestern, um, I don't know if you've ever talked about any of the close people there, but I think most students don't have that close relationship and I don't, yeah. Yeah, I would say probably similar to you, Chris. Um, there's not like a Logan Derek dynamic <laughs> going on. Um, I think I do have people that are maybe more receptive to, um, I guess, more evidence-based type critical thinking. Um, and not so bogged down by like biomechanics or test grades or like just learning stuff for school. And I see that because I like, I see classmates who are like going through the level up mentorship or who have come to uh, the CalU journal clubs. And so that's been promising to see, I guess. Um, but I would say I still don't feel like it's not, it's not what you two have, I guess. Um, and so I've relied more on like outside mentors. Um, like I will contact Jared Hall a lot. Um, who's been a big mentor in my life and, um, more bounce ideas off of him. And I use him as like, someone who can push me, even though like he's not going through the program with me and he didn't go to UT Southwestern, I feel like it still can work and it's the best that I have. So. Yeah, I think, I think we're, go ahead, Logan. I think a lot of, a lot of what Derek and I have is kind of on the lucky side because I don't think I can look back at anything and just, I couldn't like, predict that we would have both kind of gone on a similar path but what helped is having us is having tj kind of there to help guide us i feel like because i first first met him and talked i don't know i remember for probably an hour about just a lot of different things that are kind of you know we did we just talked more about the evidence-based side of chiropractic and what what to expect going through school and stuff. And so we developed a relationship pretty early on. And then I introduced him to, to uh, Derek. And I think that was what helped us kind of both go on the same path because when you have a similar mentor, you kind of, I mean, you're, you're looking up to the same person and you're kind of being a part of the same, same groups that that mentor would recommend. So I think that's kind of 
the main part about how we came to be so close together because all of the stuff we did was the same. Like there was a, a group called clinicians, not technicians that TJ kind of ran and weekly we would do presentations on different conditions. And, you know, we both got invited to that and we both loved it. So it's just kind of, we both went to a lot of the same tutoring sessions and stuff. We studied together. So I feel like I, I couldn't have predicted that starting out. And I think a lot of it is kind of just lucky because both of our last names happen to be start with B. And so we were just paired together. And so, I mean, it's just, I don't know really how to replicate that or how to tell people that to develop, especially new year or first years coming into school, how they can kind of develop that relationship. But I think just being open about what your interests are, open about different groups that you're a part of, because I know that when people come into school, they do want to learn as much as they can. And so if you talk to some of your friends about, you know, being in level up, they're probably going to want to be in level up as well. And also Derek mentioned being kind of competitive. And I think that's what, what has played into our kind of pushing each other forward all the time. Because when I see him jumping on a journal club or reading a paper, I'm like, well, I can't be a bum. Like I better do that too. And I think it goes the other way as well. So like, especially early on, I remember studying Derek made me feel so bad sometimes because he I'd hear about him, like staying up until three in the morning studying. And I was like, Oh man, I should have been doing that too. But I, it, it took like a week of that after our first anatomy test, he just like died after the test. <laughs> I was like, dude, you're not going to keep that up. But yeah, I think it's been, it's been a really good relationship to have. You, and I think, Oh, go ahead. No, you got it, Megan. Uh, I think that's an important distinction to make is that even though you guys can push each other, you're different people. And so ultimately you're going to learn differently. Um, and you've, got to use your own strategies. But uh, what I was going to ask is, do you find, I know you mentioned when classmates hear like, oh, you're doing level up or, oh, like you're at this journal club and like they want to do it too. Do you ever run into maybe more like classmates who don't want to do any of that stuff and like you're trying to get them more involved and maybe advocate that type of thing a little more, but they're just not wanting to. Yeah, that's probably more common. Well, that definitely is more common than students who do want to be, who do want to participate. Um, if it was the other way around, there'd be like 500 more members and level up. But I, I don't know. I think you just kind of have to, what, what's gotten me the most traction, honestly, or what's gotten people most involved with level up from my school and from clinical athlete is posting about being in journal clubs, posting resource guides that I've been going through. I've gotten quite a few people who have reached out and asked like what I'm going through, how can I be a part of this? So I think like no one's going to know that you're doing this kind of stuff unless you post about it or unless you share with your classmates. So, I mean, there's always going to be people who don't want to be a part of it and that's going to be the majority no doubt but no one's going to know unless you kind of put yourself out there put that information out there 
Hey guys, Quinn Hennick here. Here's our little brain break from the great conversation amongst our clinical athlete student ambassadors and clinical athlete student member, Logan Benjamin. If you haven't gotten your ticket yet for the 2021 virtual Kalu Summit, get on that. The link is in the show notes. Our lowest prices are going fast. We promise that you're going to have a serious case of FOMO if you don't join in the fun. And now back to the show. From my perspective, because I don't have as much of an interaction with our classmates as I think Logan does, but um, it doesn't seem like we have gotten a ton of traction or interest into a lot of the things that Logan and I are interested in. Um, again, he mentioned TJ as being our mentor, and TJ has kind of been seen as, I wouldn't say an outcast, but a lot of the groups that the chiropractic, like the evidence-based chiropractors who are associated with like FTCA, um, Motion Palpation Institute, and then another group called R2P, um, they kind of like run in a circle. And um, when TJ first went through Logan, he kind of challenged a lot of like the mindsets of those groups. So naturally, you know, gravitating towards him and how he thinks already kind kind of puts us on the outside a little bit. Um, just because he was a little bit more aggressive and pushed more for evidence, even so uh, compared to what they do. Um, so initially for me, when I got like into the evidence, I felt like I needed to throw it at people and kind of force it at them more than just like Logan said, like giving them the opportunity to go to these different um, learning resources. So whether it's a journal club or showing them, hey, like we have these resource guides, you know, you can take it or leave it kind of a thing and allow them to drive the behavior change instead of me looking at them and, you know, telling them what I think they need to hear or need to know. Um, because again, that's not really my call. Um, I think it's important for us to put out the information and give people an opportunity to look at it or engage with it. But again, ultimately it's really going to be up to them if they want to be a part of it. And if not, you know, that's fine. We can still be friendly it just, you know, the conversations around school or the chiropractic profession just may not be as productive because the person that you're interacting with may just be on a totally different end of the spectrum. And at this point, there's really, you know, either no engaging in that conversation or they're pretty hell bent on where they're at. So I think what's kind of helped the, the dissemination of some of the evidence or the research that I believe in is being a part of the FTCA club on campus. So there's like subsets of the main FTCA group. One of them is a club that TJ actually kind of started. And we basically meet every week, try and talk. We usually bring on um, a speaker. Lately, it's just been Zoom, obviously, um, talking about really whatever under the sun. Sometimes it's about like how to run a practice. Usually it's about some kind of um, condition. They presented on myelopathy last week. That was really cool. We've heard about pediatric chiropractic. So there's like a lot of different uh, topics that we talk about. But we essentially kind of have a voice at the school because the club is fairly large. And so people have started to kind of see me and see some of the stuff I post and kind of question some of it. And so 
I feel like that's been really valuable just to have that larger audience um, to kind of talk to because it's just allowed me to reach more people and talk to them about more of the evidence side of things. And I'm not going to say everyone loves it, but I think being more involved, that's how you have to create change. Like there's no way to create real change in your profession if you stay on the sideline and kind of don't push your boundaries. So that's that's kind of why I wanted to join FTCA was just to help create more change in students. I loved what TJ had done for me and kind of moving me towards the more evidence side of things. So I wanted to be that for some of the younger students coming in. Do you all have many bickerments or disagreements on things or is it pretty in agreement most of the time? I would say early on, we definitely had more agreements, but I kind of kept them to myself because a lot of his background coming in was kind of a neurological like treatment, um, Carrick, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Carrick technique or something like that is all about um, neurological rehab. And some of that I know is pretty woo woo in my opinion, at least. I don't know. I don't look a ton into the research, but it's not substantiated really. So I would kind of, when he'd start talking about some of that stuff, I just kind of keep my mouth shut. I never really challenged him on it. I don't think he even knew that I disagreed with him on some of this stuff. I'm sure that I threw in a little bit here and there to kind of prod the bear, but um, it seemed like kind of a slow transition to where we started just tending to agree more on stuff. And right now I would say I'm a little more supportive of manual therapy than he is. And so we sometimes have very minor disagreements there. Um, but I don't know, unless Derek knows something that I don't, that's about all I can think of. Yeah. I mean, when we first met, like he said, I mean, I, um, I had, uh, worked for, a um, a chiropractor who specialized more in the like neurology rehab. And he, uh, went through Carrick Institute, like he said, is very heavily influenced on the um, neurological side of things. So everything that I had read or been um, introduced to was heavily influenced on neuro. So all the exercises were like eye movement based or, um, you know, we were looking for either like ear involvement or anything like that. And I just ran with it. Like I thought that was how everybody needed to be treated. I was hell bent on practicing that way when I got out of school, like nobody could tell me otherwise. And like Logan said, he didn't, he probably didn't feel like he threw a lot at me. I feel like he threw more at me <laughs> personally. Uh, but I don't think it wasn't like a negative and it wasn't really aggressive, but um, he was just kind of planting seeds frequently. And I could tell he was questioning quite a bit of the things that I was like thinking or how I wanted to approach things. And then the first time that I went to a clinicians, not technicians meeting and um, TJ was emphasizing that like, you know, when we pick a topic, you need to come prepared. You need to read the research. Um, he wanted people engaging and doing presentations. So it did kind of force my hand 
if I wanted to be a part of this group and actually be able to engage because the way that I was thinking and wanted to implement didn't seem to be um, as accurate as I thought it was. So, um, and then again, you know, I started dabbling in more of the podcasts and listening to how um, Quinn and them think and how Zach and them at level up were thinking. And then I got introduced to people like Michael Ray and, that was kind of one of those things like, you know, holy shit, have I been living under a rock like this whole time? Like, cause I had no idea about any of this. Um, and mind you, you know, I have an undergrad in athletic training and then worked for a chiropractor for a couple of years. So, um, to be completely blind to those things, um, looking back now, um, just seems staggering, but, um, no, I think like Logan said, I don't really see too many differences between us, um, as far as, how we look at things or how we want to approach things. Um, at times, you know, we'll talk about a topic and we may differ a little bit. Um, it may just be that like, I don't understand it as well, or I've been introduced to it differently. Um, even with the manual therapy, I think for the most part, we agree. Um, it's probably more just a little on implementation and things like that. But overall, I mean, we pretty much see eye to eye and just about everything. Do you think y'all have y'all talked about what each of y'all's life will look like after school, like with clinic or, you know, what you want practice to look like? Do y'all just want to have, do y'all want to just move in together <laughs> at the same clinic? I mean, I told him that he should move to Bozeman to start a practice, but he apparently wants to go back to Ohio. I don't know why he would want to move to Ohio over Bozeman, Montana. But, um, yeah, we've talked about it. I plan on, I hopefully will join in with that PT that I was talking about earlier. Um, he has a really awesome practice, and he said, you know, he'd like to have me when he, when I come back. So that's my hope. Um, and then I know Derek's planning to go back to Ohio and take over a practice back there. So, um, I think our implementation will probably be kind of similar, um, but just in different areas of the United States. It's going to be tragic. I know. I don't know what we'll do. Do y'all even hang out much in person now since COVID? Yeah, we hang out. I mean, it depends. We sometimes study together and stuff still. So we live like pretty close. We're like seven minutes apart, maybe. So it's easy to run over. I'd be hyped if one day I saw you all both on the same Zoom screen. Like maybe I'm so familiar with each of y'all's <laughs> little background. But if one of y'all popped up and the other, I think I would die. <laughs> well, dope. Um, Megan, do you have any other thoughts or questions? Um, I feel like we didn't talk about your dog. Great point. That's true. Yeah. Well, his name is Hudson. He's a golden retriever. With his, uh, what, it gotcha day was yesterday. So we got him as soon as COVID hit, right before COVID hit. So we basically spent all day long with him when he was a puppy, which was like maybe good, but also kind of sucked sometimes because <laughs> he was a terror. 
I, I think that all golden retrievers are terrors when they're when they're puppies. Um, but we trained them a lot. We had a lot of time with them, so it was good. And then any of the journal clubs I do, he's always out here hanging in with me. So everybody wants to see him. He's got to hop up in my lap and cover my whole body. <laughs> he thinks he's a lap dog, but he weighs like 75 pounds. So it's a little distracting when he's on me. What would your spirit dog be if you had one? Let's do a, a, a Pomeranian. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I would say it'd have to be, let's do like a Mastiff or something. Wow. Thick. Yeah. Thick. <laughs> yeah, mine would be a Golden Doodle for sure, or a Golden Retriever. I could see you I being like a Golden be Doodle a because, I could see that. I think you'd be a golden doodle as long as you had more hair. Right? When you were like growing it out, it was all. I've only seen you bald. I've never seen your seen your hair like so luscious as it was in the pictures. Yeah. Rest in peace. <laughs> um. Well, sweet. Yeah. I um. One, I'm jealous of your golden retriever. Two, I'm jealous of you and Derek's bromance. But I wanted to, you know, have you guys explain what y'all have and how lucky it is. But then I think like even, I mean, y'all kind of have best case scenario where you're just like bros for life, you meet, and then it's just kind of progressed. But I would say if you're in PT or chiro school and you're in a program of like 30, 40, 50 plus students, there's gotta be like one person. What? 170. Is that That's really how our class started? Yeah. What's it at now? Like 120. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Jesus. A lot of it is. It's so sorry to derail, but it's so easy to get into chiropractic school. Like, you don't have to take any GRE. You don't have to take any entrance exam. You just have to have set number of credits. And I swear, like, you don't even need to have those. They'll probably put you in, get you in on some like random tutored track or like a special track if you don't have all the credits you need. And so you get people coming in that literally have no anatomy background. Like I'm a tutor for anatomy and it's kind of sad. Some of the students that do get in because they just struggle so bad. And so there's a huge drop off because like the curriculum is still really difficult, but they just let everybody in. And then they're basically just, that you can split tries if you fail a class. So those people end up paying for like three or four more trimesters by the time they actually graduate. And so it's it's kind of sad. But anyways, yeah, there's a big drop off because the the amount of experience that students have coming in is a lot different than the amount of knowledge it takes to get through the classes. So it's always a struggle for a lot of students. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, considering y'all's class is that big in each cohort, there's got to be like at least one other student that you can either relate to or help push you along or, you know, slowly develop a relationship. Um, I mean, my cohort, we have 40 people, Megan, I think you're at 40 as well. That feels small compared to in the hundreds, but that's still a lot of people to potentially like push and have conversations with and maybe not be to the like extent that y'all are, but at least have some type of in-person interaction. Cause it's like so easy now with clinical or Cal U or biomedicine, or like you could see these really smart individuals outside of school, 
But then when you go back to like reality in person, ideal is you have people to have like, you know, these type of relationships with instead of just being online. I think my most important piece of advice I would have is to tell people to get involved in different groups that they see, even if they're not like top notch barbell medicine, Cal U stuff, just get involved in the groups that are kind of more based in, in evidence because the other students that are going to have similar values to you will also gravitate towards those groups. So I don't know if you have like clubs and stuff in PT school, but immediately I, I got involved in the FTCA group and that was, that was huge for me because that put me in contact with a lot of older students because as a going to putting yourself out there and going to a seminar as a young student may feel kind of overwhelming, but you see older students there that may like for me ended up turning into mentors and stuff. And so I would just definitely recommend trying to be as involved as you can early on because the relationships that you can make through those clubs or groups um, is going to be really important for the rest of the rest of the school. Yeah, I feel like Logan, you're a little bit more, maybe I'm just reading this, but I feel like you're a little bit less blunt than Derek is in class is my assumption that Derek burns a little bit more bridges. Is that fair to say? I don't think he means to burn bridges. I mean, I don't mean to burn bridges. It, it kind of happens sometimes. I wouldn't even, that might be exaggerating a little bit, but he did give a talk about the, the chiropractic adjustment and what it can actually do. And maybe it's not so much biomechanical effects, but a lot of kind of contextual effects that drive most of its uh, treatment outcomes. And that kind of ruffled some feathers even people who we kind of looked up to at the time. And so that kind of kind of hurts when you have sort of a mentor and then you realize that they, you know, disagree with you more than you thought and they maybe kind of talk behind your back a little bit or just it feels like a little betrayal when that happens. But that kind of happened with some of those talks. But I don't think that try to be too too aggressive and i wouldn't even say it's aggressive but i think when you some of the students in our school just believe so heavily in in their technique or in their philosophy that even when we say something like a chiropractic adjustment doesn't move bones it just like triggers everyone so it's kind of hard not to burn bridges in chiropractic school when you're more evidence-based i think chris can relate what'd you say I said, I think you can relate. Yeah, I have gotten in a fair amount of back and forth, but I haven't burned any bridges. Like I have a great relation. I have a good relationship with all my professors and even the ones I'm pretty direct with. Like, I mean, last week I posted on the Cal U page, maybe it was the week before of my professor, though, neuro professor who's talking about like scoliosis and brought up like a girl in front of the class and told her to take her shirt off and showed this like curvature and was just super alarming in what she was saying of like, you know, this is something you should really like have imaging every year, get checks up, go see a PT. And the girl like has never had any back pain. She division one athlete. Um, it was just like shocking the way the neuro professor was framing it. 
And I sent her an email afterwards and shared uh, evidence, explained why I think it's really important to, you know, be careful with your language, especially with students and patients. And she was extremely receptive. But like I was I sent the very blunt message because of my already good relationship with my professor. And I think that would not have been the case if I was known as the student who didn't show up to class or didn't pay attention or didn't get good grades. So I think it's Derek, like what you're saying about Logan initially, like you respected him or you looked up to him because like he was crushing school and not just like being an outcast. And so I think you can push the boundaries a little bit more or just be a little bit more of a, you know, go against the grain if you kind of check the boxes of what a good student looks like or respectful student. And I think that goes a long way because I get a lot of back and forth with professors, but I'm also, you know, I sit in the front of class, I pay attention. I, I think that matters a lot to them. And they can't say that like, I'm being disrespectful because I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed because one of the things that I've learned is um, you kind of learn to listen to how professors talk about what they're teaching and how they engage with like the evidence or the literature. And some of them, especially in our technique classes um, who are more old school and kind of believe more in the philosophy of chiropractic um, they tend to make backhanded comments towards like evidence and people who rely heavily on it and you can kind of get a sense of where they stand already so for those people it's pretty easy to kind of avoid some of those conversations because i mean it's like mixing water and oil i mean they're already kind of attacking you not directly but the idea of how you look at things in front of the entire class. So for me, you know, I don't necessarily want to engage in conversations with them as much. Um, similar to kind of how Logan was talking about, you take what you can from them and learn what you can um, because a lot of them, you know, they've owned their own business for a long time. So there are still things that of value that I think we can gain from them. But um, I think certain conversations with those people um, just don't really go anywhere. Uh, we do have other professors who seem to be more receptive and give off the energy that, you know, they could at least engage in that conversation, whether or not that they would be open to changing their beliefs. They at least would have the talk and not necessarily like look down on you in a sense that, you know, oh, you're evidence-based. You clearly don't know how the chiropractic profession works as some of the professors seem to engage, um, which I think, like the bluntness comes out then because then I just get frustrated um, more than anything. Um, because again, you know, we have these professors who are giving us absolutes in these technique classes and the students soak it up like a sponge instead of trying to question it and decipher what's being told and actually really learn from it. So, you know, I think something that I personally need to work on is learning to engage with the student body more because I just, I tend to get frustrated having conversations with a lot of the students because of a lot of the things they talk about in regards to chiropractic. It gets very frustrating. And then instead of having a constructive conversation, that's when the bluntness comes out and it feels like you're attacking them instead of actually like engaging in dialogue. So like, 
trying to kind of tone down that aggressive behavior and not get so frustrated is something that like I've been trying to actually work on. So a lot of these groups have been very helpful and, you know, teaching me how to actually like ask constructive questions or engage in a more meaningful um, interaction as opposed to just being very blunt and honest and things like that. I think aggressive behavior is a little too, too much just for the listeners. <laughs> it's more just of being rather blunt. That's also like a personality thing. I bet like Derek, you're just, you probably feel more comfortable being direct. Like I'm sure you're that way in most areas of your life or it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, like I just get fired up with things that I'm passionate about. Like that's just, that's just me. So like I've become very passionate about like the things that, you know, Logan and I talk about like this group, um, you know, the things that we're trying to implement and work on either with PT or chiropractic. So, um, you know, because I've become passionate, like it, it kind of reverts to like just that high energy. Um, and yeah, it's not like Logan said, I'm not like super aggressive. It just, it's to some people, it just seems like I'm just kind of overwhelming because I do get fired up, um, and get into it. Um, it's not necessarily me being like mean or anything. It's just, it's more, like I said, I just, I've become more passionate about this topic. So. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I think people feel like I'm attacking them or the professors and it's like, no, I'm just, you know, I care a lot about what's being said and it may come across as attacking that individual, but it's not. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. All right. Sweet. Um, any last thoughts? I don't think so. Keep, keep putting out the awesome content, Chris. You guys have been killing it on clinical athlete too. I felt like the, I've been so much more engaged since you guys have all joined through the thread talks, through the resource guides. It's been a lot better because at first, I first joined clinical athlete. It was more like I had a few meetings with Quinn, his one-on-one sessions, you know, those were super helpful, but I wasn't actually just like browsing through the forums because I don't know, there just wasn't any, wasn't easy for me to just like click in and look at a forum or what would be easy, but it just didn't really happen. But with all the stuff you guys have been doing, it's been a huge, huge plus for the forum, I think. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. And it's just wild seeing the amount of students either through Clinical Athlete Forum itself or through Level Up or the combined group. Like, there's a lot of people out there. It's just you don't know them until you know them. It's like, I didn't know all three of y'all, what, like a year ago, maybe? And now we're just broing out on Zoom. And I know y'all's dogs' names. Actually, Derek, you don't have, do you have a dog? You have a cat, which is tragic. I have a cat, but he's a large a cat? cat. A large cat. Cats. Two cats, yes. Two cats. Oh my God. Hey, this is, this is not an attack episode on cats okay all right yeah. one of derek's cats is basically a dog trust me i'm surprised we haven't heard it yowling in the background <laughs> solid all right well we'll leave it here
thank you both Derek and Logan and Megan. Um, but for y'all, you know, just explaining your experience in school and then also just, you know, the value of y'all's friendship um, was super helpful. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. No problem. All right. Adios. We'd like to thank Logan for being on the show. You can check out the show notes for contact info of everyone in today's conversation, including our all-star clinical athlete student ambassadors, Chris Ewan, Megan Broussard, and Derek Bark. For everything they do to help our, our student community, we want to thank them. And thank you, the clinical athlete community, all six of you, for joining us on this journey of knowledge and improved practice in both the gym and clinic. One more time. Go to the link in the show notes, get your ticket for the 2021 virtual Kalu Summit. It is going to be a blast. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon.